Welcome back to the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. This is the National Edition. We are live on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, and Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. This hour of Real Kipper and Bourne brought to you by Bet365. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee, Derek Brandale, Jen Rolnick. I didn't see Jen's name on this. John, Sammy, good. Just want to make sure everybody gets credit. It's on there. Daniele is coming on the show tomorrow to fill your shoes. Yep. Wait till you see Daniele's lineup tomorrow. It's going to be sparkling. Oh, yeah. Like, a clean sheet. I, I, I will say, I, I do worry. There's not like a lot of producers that I worry about taking over for me, but <laughs> yeah, he's like, a beast. <laughs> like, he's very good at this. He's I, like, thorough. I, you know, like, you know I, I can bring some marginal takes here and there, so that's kind of why I'm here. But he's very good at it. Got that sweet lefty swing. <laughs> there there could it. be a chance by Monday your, your seat's filled. Yeah. Holy, holy I mean, pip, right? I watched. You I better w- win a lot of money in Vegas. I, I watched the. Uh, the hangover. <laughs> Maybe I'll get stuck there like that. Hey, I'll get know. stuck in a roof. So you're going with your wife, are yeah, you not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like your chances. If... Yeah, we'll see. She, she's not afraid of a good time. No. All don't right. threaten her with a good time. Keep us posted. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, in a few minutes, we're going to welcome in uh, former NHL uh, player, agent, general manager. This guy's done it all, and he's done it all on our show, Brian Lawton. Uh, certainly tons to get into, including the... Uh, the vibe across the country. You mean uh, the best Canada's ever been at hockey right now? Earlier on our Leaf edition, you had suggested maybe <laughs> the Leafs <laughs> you could be. Don't you put that on me? What's could up be green sellers the at the trade deadline, <laughs> and I am scared to go on social media right now. Yeah, because I don't think there's a Canadian fan, and I, I think it's a bitter pill to swallow and. In Ottawa, perhaps the Montreal Canadiens have been a little bit more, um, you know, uh, prepared for life without the playoffs. But nobody wants to hear that their team's selling in this country, especially Leaf fans. How many points back of the Leafs do you think the Montreal Canadiens are? I don't know. Ten? Five. (laughs) Leafs have played two less games. Yeah. You know, one thing I've learned doing uh, talk radio is there's no amount of qualifying an opinion you can do that people <laughs> will hear if you say something like, could the Leafs be sellers? I said a thousand things about, I don't think they should, but boy, doesn't matter. I said the words. I would ask, you know, not to get too inside baseball here, but what would they like us to say? <laughs> After four straight losses? And, and they, yeah. the worst they've looked in the Matthews era, blowing leads. Yeah. Like, it's like, what, what would you like? They, they've had bad starts. You know, they've had bad right. starts where we've all questioned it and they've gotten hot and stayed hot. They haven't had a lot of mid-season dips like this. They're below 100-point pace now after at the halfway point. You know, in the, in, in the earlier show, I said, you're never as bad as you think you are. You're never yeah. as good as you, you think you are. And just to bring into the Leafs into the equation, how can you really, truly be sure when you've watched the Vancouver Canucks the last few years with almost no hope Mm -hmm. and then turn around and have the season they're having or even the Winnipeg Jets who have been brilliant at being a mid team now look like a legitimate contender in the West or even the Edmonton Oilers where you watch 
a disaster start to the season. Now put them amongst many competing for a Stanley Cup once again. So uh, they might be the Cup if, favorite. If, if, if you're the Leafs, the like, <laughs> what do you what do you do in the next? Yeah, uh, I you just watch, I guess, them go into Calgary and then go into Vancouver, and then you see what what happens right. here. I think typically you and I, the way we operate is thinking as if we were inside a team. If you were the general manager and thinking about it, if I was the coach and thinking about it, you know, realistically what you would do. And to make those decisions, you have to, you know, consider what it would look like if you were a seller. You have to consider the options before you can make decisions. And so that's what we do. Stock radio, and you consider the options. Quickly, before you get to Law too, and who's waiting, what would, if the Leafs were having the Vancouver Canucks season right this second, I'd still have the same questions about them in the playoffs that I do about this version of the I don't know. Yeah, I, would, I, I disagree. No, no you I call BS. But they've had 115 Buddy, points you every wouldn't, <laughs> You wouldn't even be on the show because you'd be doing backflips no, down Young Street true. if they were the it's Vancouver true. Canucks it's right not now. not true. We'd be like, can they get past it? We'd be still having the exact same conversation. You'd be going, oh, God, they're going to draw Tampa exactly. again. Exactly. We'd be having That's the exact the same comes. conversations. Anyways. All right, let's welcome in Brian Lawton. Does a terrific job covering the National Hockey League as always. Uh, and... A lot of uh, experience under his belt. Uh, lots, just before you uh, came on, we were just talking about uh, uh, assessing your league. It's never, or assessing your team. It's, I don't know if you can go back to your days in Tampa Bay, but is this the hardest it's ever been? Because some days you feel so bad about your, your lineup, and yet we can see other teams turn it around rather quickly and what? Six months, 12 months, 18 months? <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if you feel so bad about your lineup, Kipper. You and I had a great conversation earlier this week about this topic, and a lot of it just has to do with the salary cap has compressed everybody together. So, you know, it used to be the era when we were playing there, you had teams like Detroit, New Jersey, Colorado for 10 years. They won all the Stanley Cups. It felt like, with the exception of maybe Dallas, snuck one in there in that window. And... um those days are over now. You don't see that kind of domination from a lot of teams. I think the league is a lot flatter than it's ever been. I think that's partly by design. You've heard the NHL talk about this, that you know everybody being in it is better for business, and that's somewhat the case right now. It's never everybody, but more teams are definitely encompassed in this middle, and it's making everyone feel a little paranoid about their team particularly when you add in the fact that the cap has still not really exploded to where we think it will in the coming years. Based on this sort of mishmash of a standings mess where all these teams seem pretty good, there's no clear runaway best teams, should the teams at the top be a little hesitant about where they are, that things have gone well you know, you're not necessarily running away with it. I'm asking about Winnipeg and Vancouver, I guess, and where you really think they're at. You know, is this uh, the right time for them to push all their chips in at the the deadline and, and make a run? For Winnipeg and Vancouver in particular, they've actually probably had more consistency than the other teams that we would consider top teams. I would consider yeah, Toronto yeah. one of the teams, but you guys are talking about them and, uh, you know, just they're at the halfway mark points uh, per game mark is putting them below 100 and that's a little bit of a shocker right to me i think that's a shocker to a lot of people uh, at the same time teams like philly detroit 
Uh, they've really surprised us what they've been able to do. But specifically with Vancouver and Winnipeg, should they push all in? I think Vancouver's done everything they can. They've made the most moves of anybody, right? really changing their team from last year. So I commend them on that. Uh, you hear a lot about it's impossible to make moves, and yet somehow I feel like they've kind of rebuilt their D, starting back with Veronica, obviously, but uh, continuing that forward with Zdorov. So good for them. Those have been great changes. They recognize that. They do have some really great forwards. They just needed to strengthen that back end, get a healthy goalie back, and they look like world beaters this year. Winnipeg, on the other hand, I think that, you know, they're always kind of in a similar mode for me. It's just all coming together. They changed the coach. Uh, That certainly, over time, has had an effect. They look like a more cohesive unit. They settled down some of their problems that were outstanding in terms of what happens with some of their star players. Are they going to leave? They didn't. Uh, I commend them as well on an excellent job of handling what was going on with their big club, but also continuing to just kind of quietly draft very well, in my opinion. I think Winnipeg's done a really nice job. I think Chevy's done a really nice job. Lots of, regardless of the names that we've already started hearing, the feeling is the prices have never been more expensive here. It just seems like if you're in the ballpark of playing 15 or 16 minutes on defense, Every team wants a first-round pick. Is it, is it to the point now where basically uh, teams are so desperate, uh, you know, you're willing to take that chance, even though the reality is they might be worth a third-rounder? Yeah, I mean, you know, you can go back and kind of dissect things that have happened. The Leafs made a big move, obviously, just to get Jake McCabe. They bought themselves down on the money. You know, with Chicago retaining some of it, is that worth it in the end? I don't know. What do you guys think? You see them every night. Is that worth it? What they paid for the price? Yeah, for two million a season, he's been he's been better than that. But but not a a, a replacement for Jake Muzzin. No, right. And that's the way that you have to look at it, right? For two million dollars a piece, Justin, I agree. Uh, a night, yes, absolutely. Was that the goal when you started out, though? You know, because you want to improve your club too. Is it an improvement over Muzzin? I don't think it's bad. I like Jake a lot. I think he's a real heart and soul player. I think he gives everything he's got. But what you're saying, Kipper, is it's hard to upgrade your D. Really and, hard. Uh, I've always thought this going back a long time because I put my money where my mouth is on it. When we took Victor Hedman, uh, that really wasn't thought back then. It's just D are so darn hard to find in this league. If you can ever get a really good one. Boy, is it valuable making moves to try to add it. I have to compliment Edmonton on the job they did in getting Ekholm. You know, you look back at that now, they trade a first, they trade Tyson Berry, they trade Reed Schaefer, and they end up with a guy that's, you know, really changed Edmonton's uh, look, in my opinion. If they can do that one more time, I'll feel great about their team. But it's hard just to do it once, never Mm -hmm. mind again. That's everybody's challenge right now. Lots. Um, you, you mentioned Hedman. Of course, that was the year that uh, John Tavares, if I'm not mistaken, was one-two with Victor or uh, with uh, with uh, Hedman. And uh, I'm just wondering if you can kind of take us back then in terms of uh, you picking second, and if you would have picked first. I mean, how how tough of a decision? And we're watching John Tavares, and he's been a overall a 
he's, he's done everything that you, you expected of him. I don't know if they expected him to become a 100-point man or a 120-point man, but very consistent over the years with the Leafs. But there seems to be like a maybe a, a small trend where it maybe the skating or maybe the, the play is coming down a little bit. But take us back to that draft in terms of if you were picking first overall forward or defenseman because Tavares clearly came in as um, as a franchise type of player and, and Hedman didn't necessarily. That's right. That's right. Actually, Matt Duchesne was the better player in year one, if truth be told. And I took a lot of flack for that back then because <laughs> there were some people that let me know early on they weren't crazy about the pick that were on our staff. I talked about that this week. I never had to face the decision of what if we had had first pick? And Jeff Merrick asked me that on the radio this week. And, I, and just like whenever anybody on your panel here asked me a question, I will answer it honestly. And I was thankful I never had to answer that question. I didn't want to have to answer that question. But the fact of the matter is, based on a lot of what we're saying in this conversation, I felt way back when, particularly with Tampa's circumstances, we would be better served with Victor Hedman long term. I never had to make that decision. I did have to undo what was our normal list in that process because, you know, we did have Matt Duchesne second. The problem is, as a general manager, you always retain the right for anybody picked in the top five to make that final call, regardless of what your staff says. That's not easy to do. I never felt great about that. Our staff worked their rear ends off. I appreciated all the work. I just knew that. Part of my job as general manager was to make these types of decisions, even if they're unpopular at the time with the staff. That's what we did. It's worked out fine for the Tampa Bay Lightning. John Tavares is an, has been an absolute tremendous all-star player for his entire career. Uh, I'm just glad I never had to face that decision. I was very happy yeah. when, we did, when we did not win the lottery that year. I, I Honestly, I never said it to anybody no one's ever asked me that question to this week, but I was always very at peace with it. <laughs> really, truly wanted to draft Victor. And, you know, a lot of this could be self-serving too. As a former for first overall pick, there's just a lot of extra baggage that goes with being picked first. You know, there really is. It's just, it's just a little bit tougher. I experienced that personally. It wasn't always fun for me. I was delighted to be getting a great player at number two, a player that we wanted. And as I'm admitting now, I would have stepped up and said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to go a different direction than maybe what the consensus is. That is what you're paid for. you also have to take the flack with that when you're wrong, but that's the way it honestly was. I met with John Tavares. I've never been more impressed by a 17, 18 year old player at that time because of the level of his professionalism. You just touched on it, Kipper. You said, well, what about the skating today? Well, back then, privately, and these are just my privately thoughts, my private thoughts, I was concerned just a little bit about him hitting his full potential in this league because of his skating. John, John and I actually talked about it. After that conversation, I felt much better about it. And that was right after all the players were in Pittsburgh. We had them all come to Tampa together. We had all three players there in Tampa. I had a chance to meet with them back to back to back, to have dinner with them together, you know, just to spend some time with all three of them and kind of see the differences. And John 
was by far the most mature, although Victor Hedman was also already kind of a seasoned pro playing in the Swedish Elite League. Mm -hmm. But John absolutely convinced me in those conversations, and he did it again at the Combine, that um, he was going to put into work to make sure that his skating got to a level where he could reach the full his full potential. And I do think he, he did that, and I commend him on that. You know, lots thinking about some of the tough decisions general managers have to make. I look at the NHL and where certain teams are at heading towards a trade de- deadline. Philly certainly thought they would be a team selling assets, but they're in a playoff spot. Calgary thought they'd be in a team selling or in a spot to sell, and they're kind of in a playoff race. You know, there are other teams like that. You know, where do you stand? Should teams be all the way in and just sell everyone they can? Can, can, you, can you do that where you kind of sell and still try to make it? Uh, Doug Armstrong made a run at that a few years ago, but psychologically, you know, you have really two types of general managers. The ones, and I could name some of the guys, at least that are not a manager right now, like Brian Burke, who's not necessarily, he doesn't believe, he doesn't necessarily believe, in my opinion, Berkey would have to correct me on this, because you're always trying to read everybody in the room. Yeah. You have to deal with these people. But I always felt like Berkey, if he was like, had a chance to be seventh or eighth, but didn't believe he had a legitimate chance to win. He wouldn't do that. While his other guys are absolutely the other way. Some of it has to do with circumstances. These are the these are the real issues that GMs face. You have all kinds of pressures. How's it going in your in your reign as general manager? Are you solid? Can you afford to take more time to do it right? Um, there's so many conflicting messages that you have to deal with on a daily basis. That is truly what makes it such a hard job to do. But um, I don't subscribe to the theory that just get in and you may win. I know we've seen teams over history. Everybody on this on this panel right now can name who they've been. We can go back to Edmonton's run, Carolina's year, Philly's run to the finals. You know, we can recite all that. But the bottom line is you either believe in math or you don't. I happen to believe in math and I don't like those odds. <laughs> so I I would never be all in. Um, this year though, my kind of macro view and what's going to happen is I'd be, uh, sneakily engaged in this deadline. Cause I don't think a lot of people are going to be, I think there's a lot of defeated teams and overall it'll be down as to who's willing to yeah. make a move. So I'd be out there early this year as in right now, trying to lock some things down because you having been in different positions and roles in the past, you're always nervous that. I'm not going to be able to get the guys I want if you're buying, but I'm also not going to be able to sell the guys I know I should. Philly, to me, is a fascinating one, Justin, because they really should be selling, in my opinion, and yet it's very hard to be a GM or a coach like Torts, look the players in the eye who are playing their rear ends off this year, overachieving, in my opinion, and say, and they know what happens when you're selling at the deadline. It's a non-vote of confidence. Lots of if. Are the Calgary Flames the Philadelphia Flyers version in the West because L.A. loses or or wins one game in 10, and all of a sudden Calgary's sitting there going, yeah, baby. And, like, the Leafs come in tonight in Calgary. They're on a four-game losing streak. Where is is a hiccup between a four-game losing streak and losers of 10 of 11 for you? Well, first off on Calgary, uh, I think 
that where they're at in a cycle, and you guys ask me questions, I'll answer it honestly. I really don't think that they should be doing anything, but since they have had some issues getting players signed, signed, it's clear to me that they've kind of missed their wing window with the group of guys they have, and they really strongly need to move out the players they can't get signed, get the assets back. You don't want to end up kind of where Columbus did to some respect, you know, when they had Panarin and Bobrovsky and, you know, they went for it and they shocked the world. They won the first round, but I feel like they've paid a price since then. I think Calgary has to, you have to be cognizant of the past and be honest with your evaluations. And then you have to follow through on them and that's not easy. So in a nice way, I'm trying to say that yes, Calgary, in my opinion, should be sellers. I don't think they're going to get in. If they do get in, I think it's going to be really challenging for them to do any damage in the playoffs. And uh, sometimes this is the hardest freaking thing to do. You have to take two steps, you know, backwards to take three forward down the road. Lots. I I got called a stupid dummy idiot on the internet for saying the Leafs might have some questions about maybe selling. Um, It's a tough world out there online. But um, I wanted to get your thoughts on on the Leafs. Well, you can't live at. online, Justin. You cannot live online. I try not to. Yeah, yeah. You should quit your job if you don't like that. Yeah, just no like kidding. GM and people didn't like. Yeah, and we were thinking of trading certain players. It just is what it is. You accept that, or you don't. Right. Oh, listen, I accept it. I just want to know your thoughts on the Leafs, though, and where they're at. Do you think that this is a team that should spend assets trying to get better? Um, well, you'd have to show me the assets first. Sure. Um, you know, we're going to trade Fraser Minton for, uh, Chris Tanev. I'm being facetious. (laughs) They are low on their assets. Obviously everybody knows that everybody knows everybody's situation. There's no secrets, but should they go all in Their Their situation for me is different than Calgary. They're just at it. They're they're a step above that. That doesn't mean they'll always be. And it's not a slam in Calgary. It's a fluid equation. Every team is either moving forward or backwards. I'll I'll I want to make sure I don't get plagiarized on that. That's from Brian Burke. <laughs> <laughs> just just for Bill Ackerman. <laughs> Throw him in the mix. We read cards here too as you guys do so the fans are out there isn't this a hockey show yeah, yeah. it's a hockey show i want to ask... go ahead brian burke what it always said that to me so i always give Berkey credit for that because i think it's a it's just a great it's a simple thought but it's a great thought to keep in mind I wanna... you're, you're artificially trying to influence your club the toronto maple leafs should be trying to artificially make their club better for where they're at it's not perfect but that's that's what my opinion is for them they have a very good hockey team I want to crawl in your head a little bit as uh, from a executive perspective here, because I came at work today at uh, around, I don't know, one uh, thirty Eastern. And it seemed like the, the, uh, the Raptors president Messiah was on the air. He's talking about spicy Pete being traded. And then I'm getting ready to go on the show. And I'm like, is that guy still talking? <laughs> like, can somebody get him to shut up? No, no he went important. for how long? Hour 15. Hour 15 as the president of the Raptors. Lots to say. So my question to you is last year, I couldn't blink without seeing Jimmy Rutherford uh, as a president kind of calm the waters down in Vancouver. And right now it's a little murky here in Toronto, but we have not heard from Brendan Shanahan. So how strategic is it 
for presidents now to come out or, or, and, and speak and talk to the, the management or uh, the, the media? And when is it a good time to kind of back off, in, in your opinion? How important and strategic is that? I think it's more important when things aren't going well to step, step up and take responsibility. I used to say that when I ran Octagon. I would be with the guys and we'd meet somebody and some other agent might have recruited them, but you come in at a certain part and do your thing. And I'd say, look, I'm just the guy that's here to take all the blame when things go wrong. And if it goes right, everybody else is doing a wonderful job. And I was joking about that when I would say it, but I was also sincere. And that's how I feel a president should be. There's one thing you should know. Everybody has their own book. Like anybody that's managed a team, been an agent, gets to know everybody. Jimmy Rothbard. Jimmy Rutherford is older than me, okay? Uh, Jimmy was playing when I was in diapers. The one thing that people won't know about Jimmy Rutherford is he is absolutely relentless on asking people's opinions. Yeah. It's it's really impressive. Now, you That's guys will say, attribute. What's, the, what's the big deal about that? I mean, I remember like it was yesterday. I was talking to him. He said, all right, what's wrong with our team, Brian? What do you got? <laughs> what do you think? You know? And I was like, ah, I don't like your D. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm honest. If people ask you, I always feel like it's, you know, normally you just say, well, you know, you guys are making progress. But if people truly want to know, then you always should tell them. That's my opinion in life. I told Jimmy that. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is he does it way more than most guys. This is not a slam against Brendan, but I, I, I've never heard that about him. Now, maybe he's he's a Hall of Fame player. He had a Hall of Fame career, obviously. Everybody has their own style. So I can't say anything why you haven't heard more maybe from Brendan. I can only talk about the people that you did that I see patterns, fact patterns that, quite frankly, I think it's what, what's made them really great executives. Are there other guys that would never say a word? Lou Lamarillo? Lou Lamarillo has never asked my opinion but when I asked for his opinion, he was the first person to return a call. And I'll always have respect for Lou for that. So, and, and, and in those moments when Lou is helping you, it's the most things you'll ever learn about Lou Lamarillo because you never learn anything else outside. Of that. <laughs> so true. I, I'm dead serious. But when you ask him in those moments, and I, I, I am not ashamed to admit before we let go of coach in Tampa, I called two people. Brian Burke and Lou Lamarillo, mostly because I thought they were the only two that would get back to me right away. And they both did immediately. And Lou Lamarillo was an animal about it. He called me every day for weeks. See how, see how I'm doing. Like I got so, him, Lou. Thanks. Yeah. No, Lou, <laughs> Lou was amazing. It was like one, two, three, four, five. This is how you handle it, Brian. And I appreciated it. Um, I have my own opinions and thoughts, and but you got to be able to ask for help, in my opinion. And there's a lot of guys in this league that have been really successful that do it really, really well. Well, great. Now I feel guilty that I hit the ignore button when Sammy and Justin <laughs> call me. <laughs> Thanks for leaning on him, Mike. We asked you to lots. Now, now you need to confess who have you guys called to, to solve <laughs> problems for the Leafs. <laughs> I'm joking, you guys. <laughs> Lots. Uh, great stuff, man. Uh, really really appreciate uh, your, your candor uh, in, in this segment. And uh, welcome on our show anytime, pal. Thanks for doing this. 
All right, I'm going to block both you guys. Thanks, Lance. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Brian Lawton speaks from a ton of experience. Yeah, no kidding. I think one of the, th- the thing I took away from that, and it's something I've always, an opinion I've always had, when you are a team that has the first overall draft pick mm-hmm. and there's two good players, you want to go second. You want second. You want second because you can always say for the second, well, we didn't have the first pick. Yeah. And if the guy turns out great that you got at the second, you'd be like, well, we were taking like, him anyway. No, not even though we were taking him anyway. It's like, well, we, you know, we didn't have the pressure yeah. of having to make the decision and we got the better guy anyway. Right. It's I've, unless it's like a Matthews or like a McDavid or a Bedard. Yeah. There's a little, yeah. it's all, I've always felt that way. Yeah. Do you remember last year, Jimmy Rutherford did a ton a Such ton a good point. of TV yeah. to calm the water I remember down, being I like, Just to bury, bury Boudreaux. Well, and it was like, <laughs> and it, it kind of, you know. He was great. He had Patrick Alvin, the, his general manager, but he was the guy that said, nope, it's yeah. on me. I got to stand up and, and do this. I haven't seen him this year. Didn't, hasn't needed to. No, they just right? and he just eats yeah. popcorn and watches the game. Now, it's let me ask great. you, here in Toronto, I mean, they've. It's four games. It's not nine or ten game losing streak, right. and we we haven't heard from Brendan Shanahan. If by chance this trend continues here throughout the weekend, do you think that he, at that point he, we should be hearing from him? No, no. I mean, I, do I think we should? It would be great. I think Leafs fans would appreciate that, but. I can't Is think. it necessary? Will it help? Outside Rutherford, though, I just don't have other examples of a president doing it where a GM should. I think him, I think it just makes way too big a statement. Yeah, it's like we are he talk, profoundly he, a mess. He, he talks, he out. talks, what does he talk, once a year? Yeah, at the end? tell you why they're keeping everyone. Yeah. It's his annual, we're keeping everyone. And the one this year that was the most electrifying press conference in sports history yeah. where he buried Kyle Dubas for 25 well, minutes. Listen, I mean, this week we've heard... Uh, the white noise around change the coach. Oh, yeah. If, if in fact, it's not even in the thought process, would him coming out and supporting Sheldon put a rest to all that noise? No. Me? Yeah, probably not. Probably, no? It's probably kerosene. I think it's the worst thing he can do you because do? I feel like there's a lot of times where it's like the vote of confidence joke yeah. with sport, with coaches and sports is like the worst thing you can get. The other thing is like how much of this – panic in toronto is because it's toronto like teams lose four games yeah right like good teams lose four games and so how much of that is just volume and noise versus real concern would you feel that way at at six games well yeah you know that that's different sure it's different changes things if it's six and seven and you know eight and nine or whatever listen with all due respect like it's brendan shanahan like his voice carries his it's a very powerful voice and he's it's it's stronger than his general manager's voice sure the only thing i'll say is by doing it so infrequently you put massive pressure on when you do it. that's where it's strategic yeah right and and say what you will as many times as we heard from jimmy rutherford you look back at it now and it's like it's pretty impressive. I don't even remember anything Jim said, though, because he's talked a lot. And that's what I mean, like, when Dubis would almost never speak. But Treliving's spoken a lot this year. Right. And he's so come on our show it, twice. It's not a huge and... deal. He just kind of tells you what's yeah. going on. And 
like we used to have those Dubas pressers and we're sitting there with notepads oh, yeah. and like didn't want to miss a thing. And it puts so much weight on all your words. And so maybe it's the case that if they spoke more often, it wouldn't oh, be such listen, a big deal. I mean, they win tonight. They win Saturday. Like if they can yeah. get some points going. If, hey, listen, that Vancouver game, I know we're, we got uh, the Calgary uh, game tonight with the Leafs, but Vancouver's going to be looking at them. And I think they, I'm not sure they embarrassed Vancouver, but that was not remotely the Vancouver Canucks that we see now that lost What's the score? Five that? two. Yeah, they beat them pretty good. They beat them pretty good. Yeah, and I gotta think, like Naz Kadri told us, <laughs> oh yeah, the other day. Uh, hey, we know we know what beating Toronto does. Yeah, yeah. nothing like beating the Leafs. So they they got their hands full as, uh, and it starts tonight as well. All right, Sammy. All right, it's game time, fellas. Presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be nineteen plus, Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Kipper, to answer your question from earlier about the Flames and Leafs, Leafs are heavy faves tonight. Minus 135 favorites. So you can get the Flames plus 115. I would not recommend that bet at minus 135 for the Leafs. I mean, they could easily win the game, but that's just not good enough. I mean, the Leafs have lost four in a row. The Flames have won four in a row. Teams heading in different directions. You could look at a little value with the Flames there, in my opinion, but I would not be going on either side of that. Um... The ones I am looking at, Ottawa Senators, you know how I like to look at teams that just should not be favored by a lot in a lot of spots? The Ottawa Senators should never be minus 185 favorites against anyone. They're playing the Montreal Canadiens tonight. Uh, Give me the Montreal Canadiens at plus 155. Have you just beat the New Jersey Devils in regulation? Um, We'll talk about this a little bit more in news and notes. Minnesota Wild just announced that they lost their captain, Jared Spurgeon, out for the year surgery. So they're reeling. They're going in the wrong direction. Lightning are playing a little bit better recently. Give me the Lightning minus 150 on home ice. Oh, yeah. And the last one, excellent hockey game tonight. Colorado versus Boston in Beantown. Uh, Could be a high event affair. And, you know, Colorado has been underdogs quite a bit. And I think it's because they give up a lot. But because they have three hockey players, yeah, they they play McKinnon, th- but <laughs> those three hockey players maybe the three yes. best in the world. So right. give me Colorado plus one thirty in Boston tonight as my three picks that. for uh, game time. Anything you have to add? Uh, no, I really like the Colorado pick, and uh, also I'm going to do Tampa Bay in regulation. Yeah, there. like that too. Juice. All right. That was Game Time, presented by Bet365. Visit the app for latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19+. plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll go through our NHL news and notes. What happens to Gensel in mm. Pittsburgh? Head coach of the New Jersey Devils last night was not a happy camper. He took a pretty good <laughs> run at a reporter. That's not nice. We have the sound of that as well. So tons to get into still after the break. Don't go away. The Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. JB, Sammy McKee, who's on his way to Vegas, baby. Vegas. Yeah, I was going to put on the jacket for this segment, but I decided not to. Where's your uh, Yogi Bear jacket? It does look like he's skinned. Can you go get it, seriously? Yeah. (laughs) Please go get it. 
Um, so people think I'm not making it up. Do you remember that little uh, casino, Shays, O'Shays maybe? It was in the middle of all the like good ones on the Strip. Really? We used to stay there. Oh, yeah, it was like a, a cheap one on the Strip. They don't have those anymore. I only stayed at Five Star. But. I'm sure. <laughs> but my wife and I used to go stay at the crummy little one and, and gamble. And I got to tell you, that's... I, with no kids, that's living. Oh, okay, here we we're go. sorry if you can't pick up the, the show on... Um, <laughs> is that not Yogi... Bear was it endangered? Right uh, no. Hey, boo boo. So, <laughs> that is a hey boo boo. The reason I wore it is because, as you know, we live in Canada. We do. Yeah. It's quite cold. Thanks, mm-hmm. tips. And it's pretty warm, as you would be able to tell. Yeah, sure. But I didn't want to bring a huge parka, so I didn't want to. So I wore this. Yeah. Plus, it's a little, you know. Is that? A- and given how cold it is, he had to go into a cave and get off a hibernating bear. <laughs> They have security eh, at these big hotels in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're gonna let you in. Yeah, Yeah, probably not. (laughs) They're calling Big Teddy, baby. He's gonna walk out of here and someone's gonna throw a bucket of red paint on him. (laughs) Animal. Hey, boo boo. All right, where do you guys want to start? Uh, This Uh, this is a hot chat. Lindy Lindy Ruff is not a happy guy these days. Uh, I mean, there's a sense of frustration for sure. Uh, They're seasoned guys. I mean, were we not talking about a team that was next level stuff on the, you know, if they weren't a team that you could see in a conference final or a Stanley Cup final, like everybody felt they were, yeah. they were close. They are not having a very good time these days. Well, you need someone to stop a hockey puck, right? When you know, when you don't get goaltending, the coach uh, is in the crosshairs. Not that far removed from the people chanting "Sorry, Lindy" for chanting "Fire, Lindy." And it may not be too long before they start the other chant again, but uh, yeah, doing okay. He's, he's a little, he's a little upset. Should we throw to this uh, clip here? I don't know how to throw to it. I haven't heard it. Yeah, well, this is coming off uh, a three-two loss in a, in regulation, mind you, and this is uh, at home to the okay. Montreal Canadiens. Mm. And uh, a reporter asked him about uh, a benching. So let's have a listen with Holtz. Just two shifts after his, uh, obviously, game-tying goal. What, what, what went into that? Um, again, uh, you don't watch the game very well. <laughs> oh. So if you look at the opportunity in the second period where he threw a puck in the middle of the ice to get a point-blank scoring chance, it, in a tight game, in a, in a one-goal game, you, it's, it's plays like that that we're trying to get back in the game, and I dropped down to three lines. Um, we happened to get back in the game. He understands. Like we, we're we're trying to eliminate the pucks that go into the middle of the ice. That the puck management part. So when you make a play like that, then it's going to be hard to get back on the ice. We just give him a quality scoring chance off a play where we put it in the middle of the ice, where we don't need to put it in the middle of the ice. Uh, yeah, I like this power play goal. A couple other things I like, but is he going to make the same play again? Okay, for the record. Mm. That might be one of the best explanations to a benching I've ever heard. That's perfect. From an NHL head coach. Yes. I'll tell you exactly what happened. His goal is a power play goal. He threw the puck in the middle. We're trying to keep the puck out of the middle, so he's sitting on the bench. With the you one, watch the game very well. With the one <laughs> exception. Keep, keep that that now we have the keep best that. drop ever. <laughs> is, 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 I, I, I don't... There has to be a history there. There, there had to have been something that kind of pissed Lindy off yeah. with this particular reporter. That's me looking at a thirty thousand view. I think he's got a problem with the player. 
Why are you so pissy? I'm going to need no, Derek and leave you, you on that. You why, don't watch the game very well. Drop why do you have to take a, Why do you have to kind of dummy down a reporter with that first you, you don't comment. watch the game very well you don't watch the game it's 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 insulting you, like why go there on that if if you're going to give that thought the thoughtful answer why not just give the thoughtful answer and and leave out the part where you insult I mean, this guy you're right he's sour they just lost the halves in regulation. He's I sour. Get he's it, taking it out of that it guy. But it is a legitimate question For that sure. anybody can ask. What What was yeah. your thought process into a benching? That's as legitimate of a question as any reporter can ask. And also, the assumption in the reporter-coach relationship is that I don't watch the well. The game is as good as you. Yeah, you're the you're coach, the, man. Yeah, you're one of the 32 <laughs> best on earth at this, apparently. Yeah. Brooksy, if I want to explain you. it to you, I would. <laughs> you know, if I knew how to do that, I'd be there. So, yeah, you're right. You don't need to go with the guy who's no. just looking for answers on something he doesn't Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he knows and wants you to say it, whatever. Now, if it was Luke Fox asking the question... Sheldon might go at Luke. You never know. There's always somebody that rubs somebody the wrong way, and I'm not. I'm not suggesting. Listen, Luke. Honest to God, there's sometimes when I watch scrums, and I'm like, "How can you not ask that? How can you not?" Luke's always the one that asks. Luke asks. If you that guy takes the bat off his shoulders at times. Yeah. And it's not easy for those guys to be on the road, be in the same room, look guys in the eye, and ask the tough question. Not only do not, I not envy that, I have a ton of respect for it. You yes. know, like when a coach is, you know they're mad, you know their yeah, livelihood's on the line, and you go, I think you made a mistake I, here. What happened? I, I agree wholeheartedly. There's not nothing that I can really add. It's not like everybody out there that's like, oh, Toronto, like, these people don't ask hard enough questions. And you go in there and do it. What? Because it's not easy. No, it's a really hard thing to do to go in there and. Do and it. it's and ninety percent of the time we get a good answer that we play on here. Luke has asked the question. I'm yep. not yeah. just saying that. And it's intimidating. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, but you know what? Those guys want to intimidate the reporters into not asking those difficult questions. No, you just like, get annoyed. <laughs> like I'm annoyed at you. <laughs> Is that Craig Tavish? No. Ron Wilson, Ron Wilson. Right, Wilson. right, right, right. That's, That's questioning my integrity as a coach in this league. Oh, he had it. Oh. He had some rivalries. Derek Brandeo's got a library yeah, right now. this guy's on point. Well, give, me, give me a little torts, <laughs> this guy's Come on. <laughs> oh, the, the batsman all time is Phil Kessel. Man, this guy's an idiot, man. This guy's an idiot. When I forget who said was, that? Yeah, I think maybe it was Fezchuk that he went after. I forget who he went after, but it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, Burke on his way out said about, I think it was Steve Simmons. He's yeah. like, uh, you know. The, the best thing about today is I'll never have to. <laughs> the crazy thing about that one, looking back, is that he did a p- presser when he left, Berkey. Yeah. That doesn't happen Post-fired very often. fired presser? Is that not a thing? No, but no, he was gone. Like, he Put was your gone. mic on so you can <laughs> play this tomorrow. Good. <laughs> And and Raw was pissed. And the one thing I can say, uh, playing on the other side of the media for over twenty years, is they're all competitors. The media, the media, but they stick together. Yeah, and they watch each other's back. And I'm sure, without knowing the story between Lindy and this reporter, Mm -hmm. that the general feeling is when you watch a head coach talk to a reporter like that it could be any one of us and yeah it doesn't go over great yeah and it's one of those things where again outside of me knowing the whole story here wouldn't be a bad idea walk that one back for lindy 
if he feels like there's no other surface to the story, that he probably should say, I apologize uh, for that comment. It was unnecessary. It doesn't necessarily have to be publicly, but just see him at the rink in the morning sure. or whatever and just... And if he did that, it would go a long way with the other reporters too because this stuff, like, if you build up... like. Well, they, they, while they, you're underachieving he, as a coach. There's a chance that you can get the benefit of the doubt down the road. Dude, they're seventh in the Metro yeah. right now. And they're, they they run a lot of injuries. Hughes is out. Jack yeah. is out again. Yeah. This guy gets hurt a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's a small guy who plays in the middle of the rink, right? It's That can happen for sure. Some good teams struggling, like, you know, looking at Vegas, they're, they've been struggling. A lot of injuries there, too. They're without, is it Eichel, Carrier, yeah. Aiden Hill, mm-hmm. Petrangelo? Like, it's kind of like they, they under the radar, oh, Jack's out, and then Jack has surgery. Yeah. Eichel, we're speaking of. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, like, what does that mean? Uh, like, four weeks? Three weeks? Eight weeks? Yeah, they're... Second in the Pacific right now, five points ahead of LA, seven behind Vancouver, but certainly hanging on with Edmonton going to be in that mix very soon. Edmonton's actually played four fewer games, so they're coming. I, I, I kind of asked Lo, uh, Lawton, Brian Lawton about this a little bit, but LA uh, losers of uh, 10 of 11, I believe, or, or nine of 10, one of them. And like, where's your, your level of concern now? Because this team looked like Vancouver did does today Winnipeg looks like today they were they were humming here as a contender and now the wheels have fallen off here do you like this team you know I I don't think I was ever as high on them as some people were based on the lack of elite talent like top top end guys in LA but they're a very good team um you know from kind of from top to bottom pretty pretty stout Is Todd McClellan in trouble in in L.A.? Would they be a team considering Uh, something? I I know that Rob Blake has, like, he loves him. Okay. He does, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Rob Blake wouldn't make a tough decision if he had to. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the one thing you got to remember about Todd McClellan, like, he he is old school. And he leans on... Asks a lot. Leans on a lot of guys in that room. And some are okay with it. Right. Where, And there's some that, uh, yeah, can, can go, okay, I've, I, I've just about had enough. Yeah. Kaliev. Yeah. Good goal scorer. Great goal scorer. And there, there seems to be a, a ton of friction there. Conflict with the coach. Sounding like it. I think there's a lot of teams that would love to trade for him. Really? Yeah. And I, I think he's a... I think it's a really interesting name. I think a, he's a 25, 30-goal scorer. Yeah. But cannot find uh, a spot on that team where he's... And they don't score enough in L.A. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting name to watch. All right. Uh, Joe Thornton retiring. Yeah, retiring his number next year. Good. I they should. Wish Toronto never happened. Yeah? Yeah. I Don't you appreciate it? Doesn't it make you Why? like him more that no. he wanted to come here and, and believed in this team? and Everything I did. Like, I, he didn't do it. He okay, didn't. It's, is it just... 
it's him one, it's and, one scene. It's him in Toronto, or is it just generally sometimes players hanging on too long? It was one scene in one reality television show about the Toronto Maple Leafs that changed my outlook on him forever. And it's the one we've referenced a million times. It's like, what are you, what's, what's wrong? We're in first place. Uh, yeah. It's like that to me. It's just like, okay. <laughs> Told me all I needed to know. It I think is, he's had, a, he's had a, an, an all-time phenomenal career. Yeah. And he's one of the most loved guys. I, I just Listen, his, I just wish the tunnel thing never happened. He was just down in yeah. San Jose, and I just yeah. he was that guy. And I got to think of him Maybe like that's why Ryan Getzlaff is just content. Yeah, doing what he's doing. I just it just not, it didn't ruin him for me. He no. still had an unbelievable career. He's an all time guy. Great Canadian hockey. You know, I wish I, that I, never I happened. Protest to to know Joe Thornton well, but his personality was always kind of loose, and you know he's the opposite of of Jonathan Taves, Captain Serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? He's not Captain Serious. He's He's the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. He yep. was Captain Tarps uh, off. No shirt guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, photo bombing yeah. guy. He could. I flip, mean, he I, could flip the puck. I, I was kind of that guy as a player, so I was. I, I root for guys like that. So it kind of right. hurts that he didn't get uh, one. Gensel. I had reported earlier that uh, he turned down a fifty million dollar contract at eight point five. Uh, Duba says he's not trading him. It's pure speculation. Uh, everything's great. Got to decide, though. I mean, can you let him walk out the door for free and push the envelope on making or not making the playoffs? What do you do? I don't think so. Maybe I'll run into Kyle in Vegas, baby, when I see the Penguins on Saturday night. Could you see him him as a Vancouver Canuck? Yes. Yes. Do it. Oh, my God. That would be fun to watch. Okay, our thanks to Brian Lawton earlier in the show, Eric Francis in our first hour. Jam-packed night. 11 games. Enjoy them all, and we're back tomorrow on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Have fun, Sammy.